This podcast is brought to you by Pastor Stormy Swan and Faith Church from Lubbock, Texas. For more information, please visit our website at faithchurchlubbock.com. All right, good morning. Good to see you. Bless all love you. All the dads and all the husbands are saying, thank God to help me tongue. Thank God. Maybe a little more appreciative, huh? Well, bless all of you. I'm glad you're here today. If you're watching by live stream, we're glad to have you. If you need a Bible, raise your hands. Our ushers would gladly get you one. Once you've got a Bible, go with me to Isaiah 57. Isaiah 57, we're still on our series here, The uh, Fear of the Lord. Uh, we'll, we'll transition into just a little another area here in the next week or two. But again, we're called to love the Lord thy God with all the heart, with all the soul, with all the might. But we're also to serve God. We're also to obey God. And so we're to fear God also. So we begin here this morning. And some of the, the scripture references, you'll see we've been there before. Again, I think the Lord's wanting to tie some knots. So Isaiah 57, verse 11. And of whom? Interesting there. He didn't say of what. He said, of whom have you been afraid or you feared? Now, that cross-references to Proverbs 29, 25, which says, the fear of man becomes a snare. That's what I'm going to start heading to in the next few weeks. But off of this right here, he says, whom have you been afraid of or feared? So, off of that statement right there, if you have the fear of man, you'll serve man. But if you have the fear of God, you'll serve God. Now, one translation says it in this way. It says, who, who have... Uh, who have you allowed to talk this nonsense to you? Don't be intimidated by people. He goes on to say here that you have lied, you have not remembered me, or you have not seriously remembered me, nor have you taken it to heart. You haven't given me a thought. You left me high and dry. Now, this is the Lord speaking to us. You quit looking to him. And he, he ends this with, is it not because I have held my peace from old? Now, that takes us into Ecclesiastes chapter 8 and verse 11. We've been there. And that literally means that when the Lord doesn't execute judgment upon us speedily, we have the thought with human nature that God's okay with it. I got, I got away with doing this or this, and it, so it must be okay. But the phrase right here that he says, it is not because I've held my peace from of old. That's from old means they have taken advantage of God's long suffering. And the fact that he did not totally annihilate them on the spot. Now, off of that right there, let me ask you a question. Are you glad that God's long-suffering? Ooh, I rejoice that he's long. You know what that means? He's very patient with us. He's a merciful God. Now, later on here this morning, we're going to read two passages where in both situations, both were annihilated on the spot. Keep reading, and I want you to see the, the effect of this. That you do not fear me. The result was, you do not fear me. Because I have been silent, 
you treat me like I no longer exist. Now, if we were to keep reading in Isaiah 57, and that's your homework assignment, you would find out that this is written to the backslider or the backslidden. You know what the backslider is? It's a person at one time or another that was born again, had a relationship with Jesus, but they went backwards. Good news is God will still welcome you if you'll repent, if you'll come back to him, okay? So we go now to a passage we've been at, Leviticus chapter 10. Leviticus chapter 10. So what we just read, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus is where you're heading. What we just read is the doctrine of retribution. That every one of us in here, we will get what we deserve. Completely and totally, okay? There's no bypassing it. You're going to get what you deserve. Now, as we go to Leviticus 10 here, this is the passage of of Aaron, who was the high priest, and his two sons, Nadab and Abihu. The Lord had specifically given Aaron directions on what they were to do in the house of God. They knew precisely. Leviticus 10, verse 1. Then Nadab and Abihu, the sons of Aaron, each, both of them, took a censer and put fire in it and put incense on it. But they offered profane fire before the Lord. The word profane there actually has the meaning of of strange or, or foreign, unauthorized. So they did what they thought was right in their own eyes. So they leaned more to their reasoning, their thoughts, and their opinions. And it's pretty obvious here. They had the thought, God will be okay. He'll be good with what we do. But right here, the the last part of verse 1, I think it's going to give us incredible insight on what the profane fire was. And he said, which he had not commanded them. Which he had not commanded them. And so there were specific instructions here again from God. God commanded them. Now, we go back to one of the references was Ecclesiastes 12, 13. Remember with Solomon, he said, here's the conclusion. Fear God and obey his commandments. So the way the fear of the God is is looked at or upon that I'm in fear of God is do I obey his commandments here? So right here, these guys, they they didn't follow God's specific instructions right here they weren't obedient to God and so what happens here again is they overrode God's commands with their thoughts their opinions their ideas and their philosophies what if we would just take God at his word what would just we would just obey God what he tells us to do so they go ahead and take matters into their own hands and so literally They were irreverent toward Father God, what he asked. Verse 2. So fire went out from the Lord, and he devoured them, and they died before the Lord. Now the holiness of the worship here was in jeopardy when the priests offered fire that God didn't command them. So this is what's going on. They treated a holy God as common. So just think about this, and maybe this this will give you a little visual explanation here of what took place. 
These two priests, they come to the house of God. And they come to the altar to offer God these, these forms of worship. And they have the thought, everything we do, God's going to be okay with it. And it'd be like me or you coming down here. It, it would be like Gloria standing right here today and she comes walking in. And then right before our very eyes, Gloria becomes a french fry. Boom. Right there. Now, what do you think would happen if that took place right now? Let me give you a little insight what I think. We would all become so still. We would become so reverent. We wouldn't even blink. Some of us would hold our breath. I wouldn't even want to breathe at this moment. So what took place here is because of their lack of reverence for God, it elevated the fear of God. Verse 3. And Moses said to Aaron, this is what the Lord spoke saying. By those who come near me, I must be regarded as holy. I must be regarded as holy. Set apart. Sanctified. I must be regarded as holy. Now, off of that statement, how are we doing? How are you doing with that? See, it's very easy to come in here and just go through the motions. But he said, we must regard him as holy. But he doesn't end there. And he said, and before all the people, I must be glorified. God's not into irreverence and God's not into disobedience. And so off of those two must, we must get that in our hearts. That there are certain things that God says he desires, and that's the way we must do it. And so we end this right here, and it says, so Aaron held his peace. Now, can you imagine? He's, he's in that surface. And he watches what his sons do, and they're dead. And he holds his peace. And literally, you know what that means? He realized they didn't look at him as holy or they didn't regard him as the glorious one. They didn't give him praise and honor. They didn't give him the fear of the Lord. And so right here, he knew off of what Moses said, don't question God, pal. So he held his tongue. And I look at this and I think, what would happen in our lives if God began to show up? Oof. Now go way back into the New Testament into 1 Peter chapter 1. And as we're leaving there, remember in verse 3, I believe that's a divine statement. I believe God still desires that he must be treated as holy and his glory. Now you're going to 1 Peter 1. Wait, it's right after Hebrews and James and you'll come into it. 1 Peter chapter 1. And the reason I'm going here is because Peter gets over very strong on the word holy. We really need to get this today. 1 Peter 1, verse 15. But as he who called you is holy, as he who called you is holy, you also must be holy. Now, some of the best definitions I've found on holy, it means to be set apart. 
It actually means to be absolutely devoted. I'm all in. God doesn't like little pieces of us. And so he says, as I am holy, you are to be holy. And look how he ends verse 15. In all your conduct. So when we talk about holy, holy is just not a Sunday morning thing. Holy is all the days of my life and everything that's associated with my conduct. So my conduct comes upon my morals and my morals are about standards. And so I go back and I think, who sets the the tone for morals and standards? God does. And so God's not just into lip service. He's concerned about the holiness in our conduct. How are we doing? Keep reading. Verse 16. Because it is written, be holy, for I am holy. God says, I set the standard. Be holy, for I am holy. Be holy. Now, I'm highlighting that because if you'll notice that one little bitty word, it says, be holy. Be it. Do it. Live it. Don't just talk it. Be holy. And we go back to Leviticus 10. I must be regarded as holy. So we begin to picture some things right here off the screen. Holiness is a big deal to God. Holiness isn't a big deal in our society right now. But it's a big deal to God. How do we know? Verse 17. And if you call on the Father, who without partiality... Or favorites. God doesn't have favorites. He's going to judge every one of us without partiality. And so when God says this is what I'm going to do. God doesn't play any, many, mighty, mo. Any, many, mighty, mo. You're good to go. No, every one of us. We're going to be judged on these lines. Of the way we we present ourselves in holiness in our conduct. And so when I read right here what he's saying in verse 17, if you call on the Father who without partiality judges us, God doesn't play games, okay? He means this. And how's he going to judge us? According to each one's works, the things I actually do, my being, like he said. So again, Everything that we do, God sees. God knows. So look what he ends this verse with. Conduct, there's that word again, your conduct. Conduct yourselves throughout the time of your stay. As long as you're on this earth, how? In fear. Thank you for answering that. In fear. And when you read this right here, you begin to see The fear of God is a big deal that certainly God's going to judge all our works and and there's an incentive to holiness and the fear of God has a form of reverence. So we see holiness, the fear of God, all of this plays out. Could this be what the apostle Paul was talking about in Philippians 2.12 and he said, work out your salvation 
with fear and trembling. I wonder. And so we get a little glimpse here again of, of the holiness that's about God. Now, I'm going to take a little pressure off you, okay? God is the God who puts his nature within us. God is the God that will grace us. And how that looks is we ask Father God, Father God, would you grace me to live holy before you? But I also need the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit, as his name implies, holy, he's the one that will birth that holiness within us. And so I don't know how you're living, but I sense the Lord saying, elevate the holiness within here. Put that as a desire in here. Now, I don't know if you've ever asked God, grace me to be holy, Lord. But according to Peter here, this is something we need to look at. But we don't live in a holy world right now. It's okay. Doesn't mean we're exempt. Now, go with me to the book of Acts chapter 5. And this is where we're going to head this morning to give us a great look at some things. We've been in Acts 5. We're going to be in Acts 5 the rest of this morning. But when you study the book of Acts, many times it will reference us as the Acts of the Holy Spirit. Or the Acts that the Holy Spirit does within human beings. And so when I, I read these things here, I've got to realize, man, I've got to have the Holy Spirit, okay? Acts chapter 5, verse 12. Woo, get ready. It's going to be good. And through the hands of the apostles, many signs and wonders were done among the people. How were they done? Through the hands of the apostles. Again, God still moves through mankind. God's never stopped doing that. And so right here, he gives us a, an input that, that this is what God's desire is to this day. That he says, and, and he, through the hands of the apostles, many signs and wonders were done among the people. Among the people. That's right here where we're at today. Keep reading. And they were all with one accord in Solomon's porch. Solomon's porch was a part of the temple, okay? But when I read here, they started doing these, these signs and wonders. There's something in that verse that we got to get a hold of. He said they were in one accord or they were in unity, better yet, better stated here, with one accord. Psalms 133.3, it says, in the place of unity is where God commands the blessing. So they're all in unity. Now, let me say this. You got to get this. If we don't come into unity, God doesn't move. Whether that's in your life, your home, your marriage, or right here in this house. And so oftentimes we say, come on, God, come on, when we're in total disunity. So this is something we can't overlook, first of all, that we must welcome the Holy Spirit to bring unity within us. We keep reading. Yet none of the rest dare join them, but the people esteem them highly. And I'll fill in the blank on that a little bit more. All it was was, man, they placed high regard on the apostles. 
Verse 14. Now listen to this. And believers were increasingly added to the Lord, multitudes of both men and women. So what you see here, day by day, every time they met, people were getting born again. You see a couple things that take place. Signs and wonders and salvations. So we know biblically the Lord Jesus said, I'm the same yesterday, today, and forever. Hebrews 13, 8. Father God said in, in Malachi 3, 6, he said, I'm the God who doesn't change. But let me ask you something. Do we see signs and wonders? Do we see miracles? Do, do we see salvations like this? Let me answer the question. No, we don't see it like this. We see some things like this, but not in depth like this. So we keep reading. Hmm. So they brought the sick out into the streets and laid them on the beds and couches that at least the shadow of Peter passing by may fall on them. So just think about this. Man, people are lined up. And all they want is Peter's shadow to hit them. Now, remember this. God works through people. Peter's not the healer. He's just the vessel that God works through. But when I go back at this guy named Peter's life, Peter was the disciple that rebuked Jesus. Now, can you imagine that? Listen, Jesus, you need to be quiet. You need to listen to me. Peter's the same disciple that denied Jesus. But now we see Peter coming on the, the scene and all of a sudden there's a different anointing upon Peter. And when I go back and I begin to look at the life of Peter who became one of the greatest disciples of them all, what happened? He got filled with the Holy Spirit. And the reason I'm highlighting this is God still takes mess and makes miracles. None of us in here are perfect. And Peter wasn't perfect. But God moved through Peter. Peter's the one in Acts 2 that began to preach the word of God so brilliantly. And remember, the Bible says this is all Acts 2.42 area. It says that the word of God cut him to heart. And after the word cut him to heart, they said to Peter, what do we do? He said, repent. Repent. The greatest daily vitamin men you can do every day is Repent. And I'm not talking about just to blow it off, repent. I'm talking about we're like, Father God, I blew it again. I'm sorry. But he said, repent, give your heart to Jesus or get born again and get filled with the Holy Spirit. I believe this is what took place with Peter. He's a walking example of this. And so we look at verse 16. Also, a multitude gathered from surrounding cities to Jerusalem bringing sick people and those who were tormented by unclean spirits. Now listen to this. And they were all healed. How many of them? All of them. Now this is the same Peter that said in 1 Peter 1, be holy. Live in holiness and fear God. So when I read this and I say, man, he healed all of them. The Lord healed every one of them they brought in. Do any of you in here have any family members that need to be healed to be set free? And I think we're in agreement that 
God said he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. God, so the problem doesn't lie with God. Where does it lie? Uh Uh-oh. So I read all this passage right here. Acts 5, verses 12 through 16. I see these things in the Bible that begin to happen, begin to happen. But there's something we've overlooked. There's something that I use the word, it triggered this to take place. You want to see what it is? Go back to verse 1 in the same chapter. But... So you see the word but there. That means this is a continuation of what was said before that. This is the passage where the Levite, Barnabas, he sold possession. He brought the the money, the offering to the apostles' feet, and he laid it at their feet, okay? But a certain man named Ananias with Sapphira, his wife, they sold a possession. They sold the possession. So I believe this was birthed off of what Barnabas did, that Ananias and Sapphira saw this. Now, this can be a positive or this can be a negative. The positive is, have you ever heard someone give a testimony or something? You're like, dear Lord, I'd love to be able to do what they're doing. But the negative of that is what Ananias and Sapphira do here. So we read this and remember, or thought for you, Sapphira, she was the beauty queen. So verse 2, and he, Ananias, kept back part of the proceeds, and his wife, the beauty queen, also being aware of it, and they brought a certain part, and they laid it at the apostles' feet. So they see what Barnabas has done, and it bothers them. It's almost like we don't want to be outdone by him. And I wonder if they had been known as, man, we are the people that give bigger than everybody. But think about it in this sense. As believers, we're not in competition with nobody. The Apostle Paul said in 1 Corinthians 3, 6, he said, one plants and one waters, but God gives the increase. We're all on the same team. But there's something here that bothered Ananias and Sapphira. Verse 3. But Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie of the Holy Spirit and keep back part of the price of the land for yourselves? Now, there was nothing wrong with them keeping back part of the the proceeds from what they sold. There was nothing wrong with that, okay? Except. Except what? Keep reading. Verse 4. While it remained, was it not your own? It was mine. And after it was sold, was it not in your control? It was in my control. Why have you conceived this thing in your heart? You have not lied to men, but you've lied to God. You've tried to make yourself appear like you're giving the full amount when you didn't. And it's interesting right here. That the Holy Spirit reveals this to Peter. Now we go back with Nadab and Abihu. And they thought, you know what? We can reason with God. We can use our own opinions. But I wonder this with these two. If they thought, you know what? God will be okay if we do this. It's just a little white lie. Just a little one. But the Holy Spirit... He brings this out. And you know why the Holy Spirit brought it out? 
to get them to a place to repent. Same with me and you. When we don't do things with the, the things of God in mind, our heart. God gives us opportunities to repent. But we know he doesn't do it. So we keep reading. Verse 5. Then Ananias, hearing these words, he fell down and breathed his last. you got to get the picture of this. And I'm going to use myself as an example. We all come to church here on a Sunday morning. And I come strolling in with my seed below. And I put it at the feet of the, the apostles. And then Peter stands up and he says, hey, you've lied to God, pal. What are you going to I don't repent. And so I'm, I'm standing right there, right here before all of you, and, and know what he said. So then Anna's hearing these words, fell down, and he breathed his last. So I'm standing right there. Wait a minute. We just came to church. I, I, I just want a little bit of God. I don't want that much God. He, he died right there before. And so I'm dead right here. And what would that cause you guys to do? I'd hope one of you knew Jesus enough to raise me to the dead. I'm just kidding. <laughs> but look what happens. So great, great, great fear came upon all those who heard these things. So guess what you see? Because of the lack of reverence for God, the fear of God was elevated. It went, Whoak. do you think that day it changed the way anybody else gave? Oh, yeah. Honey, you stay back in the seat. I'll go give it. <laughs> Better yet, honey, I'm going to stay in the seat. You go give it. <laughs> Let's not do that. Let's send little Johnny up there. Uh-oh. I'm dead. Verse 6. And the young men arose, wrapped me up, and carried me out and buried me. I guess they had a cemetery right by the church. Maybe we ought to start digging up the front yard. So I'm dead. They come walking in. I didn't know that morning when I came to church I was going to have some young pallbearers. They pick me up, and on the way out, they sing another one bites the dust. He's done. He's over. Verse 7. Now it was about three hours later. There's a long service. Thank you, Pastor, for getting us out of here in an hour and 20 minutes. You're welcome. <laughs> Three hours. And his wife came in. Shelly came in not knowing what happened. She shows up to church and I'm nowhere to be found. She doesn't know I'm six foot under. She doesn't have a clue. And Peter answered her and he said, Tell me whether you sold the land for so much. And she said, yep, that's it. That's it. 
It's exactly how much we sold it for. Then Peter said to her, How is it that you have agreed together to test the spirit of the Lord? Look, the feet of those who've buried your husband are at the door and they will carry you out. Next. Wow. This happened at the church. This wasn't at Walmart parking lot. This happened at the church. Verse 10. Then immediately she fell down at his feet, breathed her last. The young men came in, found her dead, and carried her out, buried her by her husband. Now look what happens. So great fear came upon all the church. Not a little bit. What we see here is the fear of the Lord is elevated in a huge way. Huge. Not, not the, the world, but the church. And upon all who th- uh, that heard these things. And so I look at this and I, wow. There became a healthy respect for God. One translation says, not to be trifled with. Not to be trifled with. You know what that means? I didn't know either. That's why I'm asking you. Probably the only one in here that knows what that word means is Miss Garrett. She's an English teacher. Listen what the word trifled means. To treat lightly. Little value. Insignificant. Is that the way we've treated God? So I end at verse 11, and if you'll notice what happens at verse 12. So guess what took place to trigger all that in verse 12, 13, 14, 15, 16? When the fear of God is elevated, the presence of God comes with it. And when the presence of God comes with it, things begin to happen. The Lord must be reverence and fear, but when he's feared, his manifested presence becomes on the scene. And where his manifested presence comes on the scene, you know what starts happening? People get born again, people get healed, and people walk in miracles. Wow. Could that be the issue right here, right now? I must regard, be guarded as holy. I must be glorified. So as I begin to look at this, what would happen if the fear of the Lord was elevated in here? See, many times I look at the things of God and I think, God, why aren't you healing people like you used to? Why aren't you doing miracles and signs and wonders like you used to? Has anybody ever thought that? I think that and I I know. He doesn't change. His desire is to steal, to save in miracles. So the problem's not Father God. It rests back on us. And, And do I live unholy in my conduct? 
And we think, you know what? God's okay with that. What's the matter with a little sin? As long as it's just every now and then. But he warns to be holy in our conduct. And I think, how many people in here this morning, they need a touch of God, whether it's healing miracles, because we just stroll in and we stand before God with our hands in our pockets. We look at our watch and we say, it's 12.05, you need to shut up, the Cowboys are on in 45 minutes. My stomach's growling. And we have the thought that could Father God be okay with all that? And I'm not shooting at you, I'm shooting at me. I was up early in the morning studying and when I got on these scriptures, I was at my tables. I'm telling this, the, the, the Spirit of God came in there. I sensed his presence. What'd you do, Pastor? I began to repent. I said, Father God, I'm, I'm sorry for not being holy in my conduct. Father God, I'm sorry that I didn't regard you as holy. I treated you as common. I'm, I'm sorry, Father God, that I haven't lived in a reverential fear. I, I've, you, I've been different all day because God began to move in my heart. Do you repent very often, Pastor? I repent all the time. Do you sin that much? I do. You know why? Because I'm a human being. You know, think about this in your life. That when your body is, is feeling some type of sickness within it and you start getting an upset stomach, a headache, what is your body telling you? Something's wrong, something's wrong. When we hear the Word of God and the Holy Spirit begins to move in you and you start sensing something wrong, that's the Holy Spirit. And you know what? He's not telling you that to beat you up. He's saying, come on and repent. He's saying, come on and get your heart back right. I've got things I want to do, but I can't do it because you're stinking so carnal. You know what? I think I will. Why don't you stand up here with me? what I found out about repentance that something happens when you and me we take ownership of our choices I, I take full responsibility for my actions I don't try to blame somebody else Father God I'd have never sinned if it wasn't for Shelley the woman that you gave me. See, it's easy to pass the buck. But what would happen right here if on this Sunday morning on October 16th, we as a group of believers, we repented with sorrow. Lord, I, I don't want to do that anymore. You know, I welcome you right now. Man, I sense God in here again. 
I welcome you right here just to put your hands just like that. Let's just bow our heads here. Just close your eyes. And... Father God, if there's areas in our life that we've been unholy in our conduct, Lord, do we repent? I repent. Go ahead. Tell them I repent. Father God, I repent. I repent of treating you common. I, I repent today of not regarding you as holy. I, I repent, Father God, for not living with the reverential fear. I repent, Father God, for blowing off your commandments. I repent. Lord, I thank you today that you're long-suffering. You've been very patient with me. Thank you, you're a God of mercy that I don't get what I deserve. I'm going to ask you to keep your head bowed. And if you're here today and Jesus isn't Lord of your life or you've turned from him and you're backslidden right now. Jesus loves you, okay? He loves, oh, how he loves us. If that's you today, you need to receive Jesus or you need to reconnect with him. I welcome you right now. Just, just to get out of your seat and make your way down here. Don't be ashamed. Just come on. Come on. Come on. I'm telling you, it was a landslide in the first service. They just kept coming. Come on. We welcome you. That's Jesus tugging at your heart. Woohoo! Come on. Come on. Yeah, keep clapping for him. This is God. This is God right here. Woohoo! Come on. Anybody else? Praise the Lord. Come on, we see you. God loves everybody. Listen to me real close. Yeah. Jesus loves you and we love you. And I thank you for your courage to come down here. And before I lead you in a prayer, I, I want all of us to see something right here that just through the teaching of the Word of God, the fear of the Lord was elevated in here. And it goes hand in hand with what took place in Acts 5. People started getting born again, started getting saved. I'm telling you, God is moving. So everybody here, you can say this. Just bow your head and all of you down here, say this from your heart. Man, do you want to come stand with one of them here, please? Say, dear Heavenly Father, thank you for being long-suffering. Thank you for never giving up on me. And I stand before you today as a sinner. I ask you to forgive me. And Lord Jesus, I receive the gift of grace through faith. And I ask you, Lord Jesus, come into my heart. Be Lord of my life.
And I thank you today for taking me this mess and making me a miracle. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Come on, let's clap to it. Make me cry, I'm telling you. See people born again. But in the altar call, we're only at halftime. Remember part of the Lord's saying there in Acts 5. He's the God that does signs and wonders. He heals and he sets folk free. Do we agree that? I, I believe he's the sign. I believe he does that. And so if you're in here today, right now, and, and you need to touch your healing upon your life or you need to be set free, come on, come on. I welcome you to come down and say, that's me. I need a touch of God today. I'm going to beg you to, okay, okay? You want to be blessed? Come on, come on. Come on. Come on, bud, come on. Here they come. Just keep coming. Keep coming. God's going to move right here, guys. I'm going to tell you right now. In the name of Jesus. So I, I ask anyone on our prayer team, come on down here. Let's get around them. Let's, let's loose the kingdom of God here. Father God, we pray right now for everyone in here, Lord that has any sickness or disease in their body, that we speak healing over them right now. We speak by the name of Jesus, that, Lord, we welcome you to do what you do, that you are Christ the healer today. And, Father God, we thank you that you said it in Matthew 8, that the Lord Jesus sets people free. Thank you, Lord Jesus. That's John 8, John 8, 32. Ooh, in Jesus' name. Lord, we thank you that you still set the captives free. I, I just welcome you right now to say out of your mouth, thank you, Lord Jesus. Say that. Say, thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you for healing me. Thank you for delivering me. And you can tell him what he's delivering you for. Thank you for delivering me from cussing. Thank you for delivering me from drugs. Thank you for delivering me from anger. Thank you for delivering me from unforgiveness. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Woo, now we're going to sing. Can we sing Jesus in the neighborhood? Is that how it goes, Jesus in the neighborhood? That's, that's close. Let's go. Let's sing about Jesus. Thank you once again for joining us on this podcast. To check out more services from Faith Church, you can find our live broadcast on YouTube or check out our website at faithchurchlubbock.com for more information on upcoming events, how to give, and how you can get involved.